Good morning, church. It's so good to see each and every one of you, especially if you're visiting. We thank you so much, all of you, for gracing us with your presence this morning and encouraging us. Your presence with us this morning is an encouragement. So thank you for being here and encouraging us. Wasn't it great to see these young people down here reciting the 23rd Psalm, uh, repeating the 15 Judges, the Ten Commandments? You, young people, listen up. You are a great example to us. Thank you so much for doing that. Last week, or a few weeks ago, we had the the Bibles handed out. We are so blessed to have the young people that we are. And I want to encourage you, go invite other young people. Go invite other families so that they can be a part of what we're trying to do here. We're trying to love people. We're trying to teach people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these young people are learning God's Word. Isn't that amazing? I'm also thrilled and thankful. I don't know if you watch, but different times throughout our service, we have young men participating, whether it's the Lord's Supper or handing out the attendance sheets. We have an opportunity here. And I want to thank all of our young people, all of our young men that are involved here, all of our young people that are learning God's Word. Thank you so much. It's important that we learn God's Word. I want to mention just a few things briefly to you. I hope everyone's had an opportunity to pick up a a bulletin. Uh, I want to bring one thing to your attention, especially for our men. Saturday, that's this Saturday, September the 3rd, we'll have our men's breakfast. That's at 8 a.m. So we need you to go in the foyer here and sign up. Uh, on the sign-up sheet so that we'll have an idea of how many will be here so we'll have an idea of how much food to prepare. I want to encourage you, if you at all have any spare time, men, please think about being here this Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Young men, teenagers, I know teenagers don't get up at 8 o'clock on Saturday. But... You can make an exception. This will be an awesome opportunity for you to to be around some of our our older men and learn from them and be encouraged by them. So this Saturday morning, 8 a.m., men's breakfast. Don't forget to sign up uh, there in the foyer. I want want us to think about, before we get into our lesson, I, I have something else I want to mention in just a minute, but I want us to have a special prayer. I want us to, uh, Miss Sharon has given me a, a prayer request. And of course, it was mentioned uh, in our announcements. But she's having some eye problems, and she's going to have a special uh, test tomorrow uh, to see if, if she can be helped. Because we don't want her to continue to lose her sight. She's having trouble with that. And so uh, we want to pray for her. We're thankful for BJ that, that he's uh, able to be back with us after tests and things last week. And they did. Uh, she wrote out a note, and she wanted to thank. Uh, us for putting this chair, especially for BJ up front and allowing her to be up front so that she can see uh, the, pow- the overhead slide. So, so we want to uh, pray on her behalf. Also, Danny Hunt will be having a, a, a special huge test tomorrow, so we want to remember that as well. Um, I talked with Paula McClain earlier. Uh, she received good news from her test last week, and uh, she doesn't have to go back for tests until three weeks, so we're thankful uh, for the good news we're receiving from people's health uh, just like Howard this last week he did not have to have surgery Uh, but we want to continue to remember all those on our prayer list but especially we want to take a moment we want to remember Miss Sharon and Danny this morning as they have tests and, and things tomorrow let us pray Holy Father 
Jehovah God. We thank You so much for allowing us to be in Your presence today. To worship You. To sing songs of praise to You. To lift You up with glory and honor and thanksgiving. Father, we have some of our number who will be having special tests and appointments tomorrow. Father, we love Miss Sharon and BJ. And Father, we thank You that BJ has received <clears throat> good results last week from his tests. Father, we want to lift up Sister Sharon as she will be going to the doctor tomorrow, Father, in hopes that there's something that can be done for her eyesight. Father, You are Almighty God. You can do more than we ask or even imagine. And Father, we lift up Sister Sharon, Father, and we lift up her appointment tomorrow, and we pray, Father, that You will be with the doctor, doctors, that You will guide them, that You will place <clears throat> in their minds and hearts anything possible that can be done that she might help her eyesight. But Father, if not, we pray that her eyesight will not get worse. But Father, we do pray that the doctors will be able to find something that will help her situation. Father, we pray for our brother Danny as he goes tomorrow for special scans. Father, we pray that the outcome will be excellent. Father, again, we know You are Almighty God and You can do more than we ask or even imagine. And we pray that You will work in this situation. And Father, we pray that You will continue to be with His doctors and nurses and Father, that they will make the right decisions for Him. And we just pray that You will be with He and Linda. That You will bless them. That You will bless them with a special measure of blessing, Father. And that You will be with them tomorrow as they travel. Father, we thank You for these two families. And Father, we pray that You will be with them and bless them through these health concerns. As all of our prayer lists, those on our sick list and prayer list, Father. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to be here today to worship You. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. I want to uh, allow you, Nikki, if you guys could bring this up on the screen. Uh, Thursday night, uh, several of us were able to go up to Henderson Church of Christ to listen to Kyle Butt and, and them talk about Apologetics Press. Now, and I bring this up because this really, listening to Kyle speak, is really what caused me to think about what I want us to talk about today. I was thinking about something else, went to this, and he really brought uh, some things to mind that I want to share with you this morning. But apologeticspress.org and you can see really the things that they, uh, that they stress and they work on. These guys do a lot of research about uh, discrepancies in the Bible or alleged discrepancies. Uh, the culture war, creation versus evolution, deity of Christ, existence of God, inspiration of the Bible, all things that would be helpful for us, for us to be aware of. And so I just want you to be aware of the website that they have. They also have an app that you can look up on uh, the app store of your particular device. So just be aware 
that these guys are doing a lot of work on these topics uh, that, that will be helpful for us, <clears throat> especially uh, as we look at the way our world uh, is turning out and the culture that we're dealing with. So I uh, just wanted to make you aware of that. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll meet there in just a moment. Long live the King. See, this was a traditional proclamation of the new ascension of a new monarch to the throne. It was first made famous in 1422 by the French. And when uh, Charles VII was put in on the throne in place of his father, Charles VI, after his death. Long live the king. And this has also been made famous in recent times in some movies. When one would, a king would die, they would say, the king is dead, long live the king. The idea is that the people would pledge allegiance to the kingdom through the king. Not unlike what we do when we pledge allegiance to the United States of America. You remember our pledge, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. So what does it mean to pledge allegiance to something? It means allegiance is a devotion or a loyalty to a person, to a group, or to a cause. So our pledge of allegiance to a kingdom through the king or to the United States of America means that I am devoted or loyal to that king or that kingdom or country. You see, a king or thinking about king brings about the idea of reign. Bradley, thank you for the songs that you have selected today. They go right along with what we're thinking about. And we sing this song, and I want you to notice the words to this song that that we just lifted up to Almighty God. Over all the earth, You reign on high. Every mountain stream, every sunset sky, but my one request, Lord, my only aim is that You reign in me. That You are King of my life. Lord, reign in me. Reign in Your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. You are the Lord of all I am, so won't You reign in me. Over every thought, over every word, may my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. You mean more to me than any earthly thing, so won't You reign in me again. Powerful words in a powerful song. As we think about kingdom, kingship, kingdom living, as we think about declaring Jesus as King, and we declare through our lives, long live the King, I want us to consider some questions. Why are you here today? 
Why did I get up and come to worship this morning? Was it out of obligation or because that's what I always do? Or was it out of devotion for the King, Jesus Christ? Why do you do good works? Is it out of obligation because it makes me feel good? Or is it out of devotion for the King, Jesus Christ? Why do we live moral lives? Is it because that's just what we do or so that no one can say anything bad about me? Or is it because of devotion to the King, Jesus Christ? We do many good, moral right things. But you know what? Even the atheist can do that. The atheist can be good moral people. They can do right things. They can help people. But they don't do it because of their devotion to the King. So what is it that sets us apart? I want us to think about that devotion to the king. I want you to notice some of these next slides. <clears throat> it's called the Sunday Assembly. I learned about this about a year ago. And I want to read to you some things that I, I printed off about a year ago. And then I want to we'll look at some other slides. By the way, this is from their website. And I want to read some things. I hope I can read it up here. You, you'll be able to notice it on the screen. I want to read some things from, from the screen too. But I want you to notice a year ago, this is what I found about the Sunday assembly. It was called a godless assembly. <clears throat> the Sunday assembly is a godless congregation that celebrates life. Our motto, live better, help often, wonder more. Our mission, to help everyone find and fulfill their potential, their full potential. Our vision, a godless congregation in every town, city, and village that wants one. I have a picture here of one of the, the Sunday assemblies in Los Angeles. And someone writes about that assembly and says, it sometimes feels like church in the auditorium of the Professional Musicians Union in Hollywood. It is a Sunday morning and hundreds of people are gathered to meditate, sing, and listen to inspirational poetry and stories. But then the live band starts up, performing songs by the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and Jerry Lee Lewis. And instead of a sermon, there's a lecture by experimental psychologists and neuroscientists about the biology of gender identification and sexual orientation. One girl who was a, a divinity student said, I don't necessarily have to believe what you believe. But we won't tell you what to believe, is what the Sunday Assembly says. And she says, you know, props for that. Respect. Total respect. Nikki, if you don't mind, back up a, a, a little bit, a couple of slides. Now this is straight from their website today. The Sunday Assembly was started by Sanderson Jones and Pippa Evans, two comedians who were on their way to a gig in Bath. When they discovered they both wanted to do something that was like church, but totally secular and inclusive of all, no matter what they believed. 
The first ever Sunday assembly meeting took place on January 6, 2013 at the Nave in Islington. Almost 200 people turned up at the first meeting. 300 at the second and soon people all over the world asked to start one. Now there are over 70 assembly charters in eight different countries where people sing songs, hear inspiring talks, and create community together. Why do we exist? Life is short. It is brilliant. It is something uh, sometimes tough. We build communities that help everyone live life as fully as possible. Notice the next slide. The only way to understand Sunday Assembly is to experience it for yourself. There will be sing-along songs, moving stories, passionate speakers, all finished with tea and cake or coffee and donuts. Just by being with us, you should be energized, vitalized, restored, repaired, refreshed, and recharged. No matter what the subject of the assembly, it will all solace worries, provoke kindness, and inject a touch of transcendence, transcendence into the everyday. But life can be tough. It is. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. We have moments of weakness. Our life just isn't fair. We want to Sunday Assembly to be a place of compassion where no matter what your situation, you are welcome, accepted, and loved. You can join a choir, sing in the band, attend and facilitate self-help groups, welcome those who are socially isolated, host potluck dinners, share hobbies, and much more. Most of all, have fun, be nice, join in. One more slide. These were original from the information I found a year ago. We're not here straight from their website. We're not here to tell you how to live your life. We're here to help you be the best version of you you can be. The Sunday Assembly is 100% celebration of life. We are born from nothing and go to nothing. Let's enjoy it together. Has no doctrine. We have no set text. So we can make use of wisdom from all sources. Has no deity. Number three. We, do, we don't do supernatural, but we also won't tell you you're wrong if you do. Is radically inclusive. Everyone is welcome regardless of their beliefs. This is a place of love that is open and accepting. Is free to attend. Number five. Not for profit volunteer run. We ask for donations to cover our costs and support our community. Number six. Has a community mission. Through our action heroes, that's you, we will be a force for good. Number seven, the Sunday Assembly is independent. We do not accept sponsorship or promote outside businesses, organizations, or services. The Sunday Assembly is here to stay. We, with your involvement, the Sunday Assembly will make the world a better place. We won't tell you how to live, but we'll try to help you do it as well as you can. And remember point number one, the Sunday Assembly is a celebration of the one life we know we have. So when I read that, I ask myself, you know there's a lot of similarities with the church? The Bible teaches us to love people. We've talked about that a few weeks ago. The Bible teaches us to love people, to encourage people, to help the world to be a better place. But you see, there's some things that should set us apart from the Sunday assembly. 
You see, some of their basis goes totally against Scripture. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3, there with the creation of the world, what did God do in the beginning with mankind? He set them in the midst of the garden and He said, all of this I have created for you. Enjoy it. But in the middle of the garden is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not partake of that tree, for in the day that you do, you will surely die. What did He do? Because of His love, He gave you and I a choice to choose Him. But also the freedom to choose otherwise. Folks, I'm here to tell you. No, God's here to tell you. That He loves everybody, but it's not all-inclusive. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians that the wrath of God will come bringing vengeance on them who do not know God and do not obey His commandments. But Satan has done a great job clouding the vision of the world. In fact... Brother Kyle Butt will be here next year and I'm, I'm hoping that he will talk to us about the problem of evil and suffering. Because some people look and say, how can a loving God cast people to hell? How can a loving God ignore the problems of people? Because a loving God gave Adam and Eve the choice to choose Him or the world. So what makes us different than the Sunday Assembly that says if you don't believe in God, you're welcome. If you do believe in God, great. You come and enjoy everything. In the book of 1 Corinthians, I want us to think about the city of Corinth. Remember that city? Remember how evil and wicked it was? And yet Paul went into the city of Corinth and he established the church. Uh, the city of Corinth was restored by Julius Caesar in 46 B.C. and it had become the commercial and political center of Greece under the Roman Empire. Noted for this, its, its luxury and its worship of Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love and beauty, the city had become a symbol of the disregard for sexual restraint. And yet in this city, Paul established a church in a culture that said anything is welcome. Acts chapter 17 Paul stands there in Areopagus and he says, I've been through your city and I see that you are very religious. I see that you believe in many gods. I see that you worship many things. And because you so are so religious, I've even noticed that you don't want to leave anyone out for you have an altar to the unknown God. That's the God I want to declare to you. And Paul did. 1 Corinthians 6, 
In verse 11, Paul said to the church that he established in the city of Corinth that glorified and worshipped sex. And he said, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Though the Corinthians who became Christians were believed to have been rescued from the evils of their environment, its influence was still present. And so it is today as we live in a very similar culture. The influence of the world is ever present. Remember Jonah. Remember how God told Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go preach to the people of Nineveh. What was wrong with the people of Nineveh? They were evil. They were wicked. Jonah didn't want to go. So he fled. Not only did Jonah disapprove of what, how they were living, but Jonah knew that God was a God of mercy. And if he taught them the truth, they would turn. And he didn't believe they were worthy. And so he fled. Oh, but God had a way, didn't He? In the belly of a smelly great fish, Jonah had time to contemplate and change his mind and knew he had been sent by God. He needed to go. I want you to notice some of the things that Paul talks about a setting that sets us apart and different from the Sunday assembly. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Real quickly, I want us to go through these and then the lesson will be yours. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And he writes to this church in Corinth who was still being influenced, though they were called out, though they had been washed and cleansed and sanctified, they're still struggling with the influences of their culture. What should set us apart from them? Paul says, Now I plead with you, verse 10, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And there, there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Ephesians 4, he says, being unified in the, being brought together in the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul says if you want to be different than the Sunday assembly, you be unified, but not unified in just anything. Unified in the same thing, and that is Jesus Christ. You see, when I put Jesus first in my life, even if I don't agree with my brother or sister in the way they have treated me, or in what they have said about me, I can still be unified in Jesus Christ, because Jesus hung on that cross said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. God has forgiven us through Jesus Christ. Therefore, through Jesus Christ, we can forgive one another. And folks, that sets us apart. <coughs> 
from those who would be all-inclusive of anything and everything. Paul says, be unified. Notice in the next place, Notice in verses 26 through 31. Paul reminds us to give God the glory. Not ourselves, but God. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. The foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. You see, he, he says it with all wisdom. Did you catch that? The Sunday assembly said, we want to be able to look at all writings of wisdom. And Paul says, no, that's not, that's not it. God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Submission? Submission to a higher calling? Submission to the King? Allegiance to the King that causes me to live in a totally different way? To put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing, the things that are. And here it is, verse 29. That no flesh should glory in His presence, but of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Paul says you live lives of righteousness. You seek to do those things that are right. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Jesus says, But blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for only then will you be filled. He says practice lives of sanctification. That's lives of purity, holiness, those that are set apart. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11. But you used to live that way, but you've been set apart. You've been sanctified. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. And Paul says you live lives of redemption. Lives of redemption. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Paul said, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, notice what Paul says. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, when we live lives like that, that sets us apart from the Sunday assembly and other gatherings such. And then notice in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of 
God. So what sets our assembly apart from the Sunday assembly? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And when we go out and we do good things, let's do that and make sure we're doing that out of devotion for the King. Not so I feel better. Or not just to do good. Because, let's face it, we came from nothing and we're going to nothing. Right? But I'm going to say like Joshua, I choose not to believe in that. Because I believe in Jesus. And I believe that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's where I want to be, don't you? And you see, that's what sets us apart from the Sunday assembly. There's a story of, a, of the Queen of England. One day she was like to visit Bob Morrow Castle. And she went and she visited Bob Morrow Castle. And while she was there, it began to rain. And so here she is going back, trying to get back to the castle. And she takes cover under this little cottage. And she goes up to that cottage and knocks on the door. And this lady comes to the door and she's upset that someone would wake her up at this hour. Men, don't forget, 8 a.m., Saturday morning. Greg and I may knock on your door. And so this lady, she's grudgingly, she comes to the door and she barely opens the door and says, What do you want? May I borrow an umbrella, please? So she goes back into her house and she, she finds the, the scroniest, scraggliest umbrella that she could with holes in it, ribs broken, and she brings it in, she shoves it out to the door and here you go, slams the door. The queen says, thank you, and goes her way. The next day, some of her men in full uniform show up with that umbrella, knock on the door again, the lady comes and they present the, the umbrella and they say, the Queen of England thanks you for your service. And she said, if, if, if I'd have only known, I would have given my best. Well, you see, you and I, we know. We know what sets us apart. Therefore, our challenge is to go out and give God our best so that people will know. It's not just about doing good. It's not just about living good. Listen to me, young people. It's not just about going to the school. It's not just about don't do drugs, don't have sex, don't, do, don't curse. It's about I am saved in Jesus Christ. And world that makes all the difference. We know. Let's live so they'll know. As together we stand and sing. There's a fountain bridges for you and me. Let us haste.
from the source above, and He bids us all.